Hello. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to At The Table. It's been a little bit of a while, hasn't it? Since A little bit of a while. That's a weird one. Um, it's been a while since we uh, did an episode, so apologies for that. Um, been a little bit cray-cray in Faversham, hasn't it? Um, just with busyness and all sorts, but we're glad to be back. And we thought it'd be a really good opportunity to come back um, and do an episode as we head into Holy Week. So um, we are recording this and putting it live on Wednesday um, of Holy Week. Um, and the idea that I had for this is just to really just have a conversation around what Holy Week meant, what it sort of leads to. If you're new to all the uh, the story of Easter and you're not quite sure what Palm Sunday meant, um, or if you're hearing about a Good Friday and an Easter Saturday and an Easter Sunday, what does that mean other than Easter eggs and bunnies? Um, it was more just about having a conversation where we just share some of the stories behind what it meant, uh, the, the figures, the characters, the people that were part of um, this Easter story and what they were kind of going through, you know, what kind of emotions did they experience, what what stresses, what pressures did they feel in those final days of uh, before Jesus was put on a cross. So um, we weren't going to go as far as Good Friday. We'll probably just stop at the at the Garden of Gethsemane aspect of it. Um, so we've called this episode Journey to Gethsemane. Um, and we hope it's a, a helpful episode for you as you listen middle of this week. Okay, so um, as we encourage every time we do one of these things, if you've got a Bible, um, if you want to open that up, or if you go out of your near a computer or you're on your phone, um, you'll be able to sort of get a, a Bible on those um, on an app or whatever. Um, and just uh, so we're going to be journeying through the Book of Mark, aren't we, with this? Yeah. So you can go to any of the Gospels. So in the New Testament, the first four books: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and perhaps if you've looked at any of those before, you have one that you like more, that you find you um, can understand more or just feels a bit more um, you. <laughs> that sounds a bit weird. Um, but I have been delving into the book of Mark recently. So we are using Mark to kind of navigate the story of Holy Week. Okay, so we're just going to read through a couple of the the stuff that happens before uh, we get to that that pinnacle moment, uh, pinnacle moment, sorry, um, at the Garden of Gethsemane. So, uh, like Beth says, there's a few sort of things that happen um, in the lead up to that. Well, Holy Week starts really on Palm Sunday. Mm-hmm. What is Palm Sunday? Palm Sunday is the start of Holy Week. So we, you're listening to this on Wednesday. So the Sunday had just gone. Um, was when the church Christians celebrated Palm Sunday and you may have heard some things you may have a little bit of an understanding of Palm Sunday but Palm Sunday is really the springboard for Holy Week it's where Mm. it kind of pivots us into uh, the reflections the thinking um, that build up to obviously Good Friday and Easter Sunday Um, but I think people off it it's because like most days it comes and it goes but really each day of holy week can be I think an important um important step that we take towards Jesus an important step to understanding um who Jesus was uh who Jesus is now um and all the things that it meant for him to build up to those moments and we do have episodes on um easter week right back to season one you can go back and listen to more specific details that we talked about um quite a few years ago now Mm. um um so season one of at the table we went through holy week and just shared our own reflections with um some friends of ours joe and lucy so you can go back and listen to that if you want a little bit more of a detailed time but 
Palm Sunday is most famously known for when Jesus rode into Jerusalem uh, on a donkey and as he entered um, people began to shout Hosanna um, and obviously Jesus has not by now been building up this reputation um, as some people thought he was a prophet word is coming out you know perhaps that he is the messiah now and therefore this this buzz about jesus is really really at its height and people are excited they're expecting um the king to come they're ex- they they see jesus as that um in some way and so they're laying down palm leaves and um yeah, cloaks, and, cloaks yeah. and items of cloth or whatever they have they're laying it down so that jesus can enter into this um town like a king so jesus riding in on a donkey um or colt actually is more um more specific um so a very meek child like animal Mm. child like child animal um and this is not only important for what the donkey symbolizes which we'll talk about in a second but it's also important because it um, the book of Matthew tells us that um, that this all took place so Jesus riding in on a colt took place to fulfil what was spoken by the prophet Zechariah um, in Zechariah 9 verse 9 when it says say to daughter of Zion see your king gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt the foal of a donkey so these things had to happen for Jesus to fulfil the old testament to complete the things that were said about them Mm. and um a cult is also it's also important that the animal that he was riding on was was a donkey was a cult wasn't it Mm. yeah i mean the fact that it's not a noble steed i think we sort of said in our um our original sort of palm sunday episode we did in our first ever series i think we said about this like it's almost like the paradox of him not riding in as a as a knight in shining armor, in the sense of on a on a white horse and you know clad in armor, but actually he's he's on a relatively I can imagine, you can almost picture it, can't you? This sort of small um, small animal carrying this you know relatively tall tall man, um, and he would have just been in normal clothes. And I just think that's a really powerful imagery of the yeah the parallels of what they thought the messiah was and what actually came Mm. you know what god actually sent and i think that's a really important thing to remember with easter as well is that um you know this is not a like an action movie type thing we haven't got this superhero yes he is a you know he's the savior of the world but he came as just a normal you know god came down and was just a normal man Mm. and it is known as the triumph the like the triumph I can't say that word, the triumphal entry of Jesus and if you ever watch any like visual description and depictions of Palm Sunday that you will notice that they do display it like that very like almost probably the music will be sounding very triumphant and Mm. things but um, it's not kind of the triumph that they were expecting um, for most, it wasn't um, armies and you know people with weapons and swords um of the military kind of the earthly kind Mm. um and it's so crucial this is such a scene that um jesus and i think it's a real true reflection of what jesus comes to do um in that um whatever we expect whatever we as human beings and you know they placed their own expectations on jesus then and we may do that still today Mm. yeah i totally agree I think there's there's a real sense that um, you can almost imagine the shock in the and I, I guess that's why they were a little bit like he's not who he says he is because he didn't come and do what they wanted him to do. Yeah. Um, which is massive, but um, should we move on a little bit? Yeah. So the journey um, continues and um, towards the end of. Uh, the passage that focuses on Jesus entering Jesus um, goes into the temple courts and um, that may be kind of glossed over by um, 
by most of us really mm. um it actually reminds me that jesus was never afraid of um or never no afraid's not the right word jesus never um hid away from the powers that were seek seeking to attack him and question his authority mm. um he goes into the temple he knows what he wants to do he knows where he needs to be um despite the danger despite the controversy all of those things um he enters into the temple um and that um i think is that is the real courage of jesus um obviously we we'll, we think about the courage of jesus in the the act of sacrificing his life for every human being mm. that was and will be to come um which is sometimes just too hard to comprehend i think mm. but the courage that jesus had to to not hide from the authorities um by now there is a clear price on jesus's head but um jesus came to jerusalem in um, a very public way and um was didn't you know sneak away and and try and and try and live your life he knew the action he knew that his actions would ultimately lead to his death and that these things had to happen um mm. now the next one that's kind of a strange one is this the, the fig tree yeah yeah is the curse of the fig tree and jesus uh clearing the temple courts hmm. now uh one of the things you um that when you look at the book of mark in a lot of detail one of the techniques that mark is known for using is known as a mark and sandwich which i i really find humorous um it's because mark liked to sandwich together stories um kind of place them together mm. um and there were reasons that mark did that there were reasons that um for what um those sandwiches together because they painted a picture because they created a narrative um, that Mark wanted to give um, and so here the Mark and sandwich is a fig and temple clearing sandwich um, so Jesus <laughs> a curses sandwich. a fig tree and so many people find this passage um, really bizarre um, so many people get almost a bit um, like why would Jesus just curse a fig tree it's almost like it was hangry wasn't it like, I don't think we can say that. <laughs> I don't think we can no, say that Jesus no, was angry. No, I meant in the sense of the way it sort of just you automatically think that when you just see that he, you know, he curses this fig tree. So it's like, well. yeah. Um. So, but the important thing to know is that when this the time of year it was, it wasn't actually a season for figs. No. So the fact that Jesus is angry about a tree not having figs when it shouldn't have figs is even funnier. I mean, it's almost like he's angry. It's it's just it's just really ironic um yeah. that you know and jesus would know that they would know you know people would know when fruits are in season so so one of the things that i think is kind of the the little the key thing in that is that it was jesus was maybe the hungry came because there was leaves but no figs mm. and there was um so there was growth but there was no well, there was um fruit but not the right fruit type yeah and i think the the key thing here is that jesus curses it not because he's like you have you i'm hungry and you can't give me what i want he's because it the leaves should mean that there is fruit yeah so it's being false mm. so the 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 story of um the curse of the fig tree mark sandwiches that with the temple because it's all about false teaching Mm. so the fig tree is the representation of false teaching because the tree falsely lures you into thinking there's going to be figs so you mm. jesus is like you're a false tree <laughs> like you're a false like you're a false prophet you're that's, fake news that's what jesus is saying you, people would assume that there are figs on there because of there are leaves mm. but it is falsely it's giving a false representation yeah because i guess the the temple aspect is they they you know the argument that it was the sacred it was a sacred place it's obviously god's house um and when it means something to them they're like you know it is sacred but when they want to get some money so is that false teaching aspect isn't it of like yeah he drove he drove out all those that yeah. are selling he that are that are defying the house of god and mm. 
um the false things that happen in church and um we could probably have a whole podcast on um the things that we believe are false um things that happen and false interpretations and one of the things that jesus brings us to um in holy week is a reminder of things that are false of this world things that perceived to be of truth and not of truth Mm. um and we have to be right at the beginning of holy week we're reminded of that um so i hope today that you're you you know you that's something that you may ponder what what do you see that perhaps presents a false truth to you a false narrative whether that be of the world or that be of the gospel and we have to be so careful and ask the holy spirit to gift us with wisdom and discernment to decide who who what is true and what is of god and what isn't i think what i like most about this part of the that was this part this part of the um of scripture is it just shows that like jesus just continued to show teaching in different ways didn't he like you know he did those he did parables he did like really simple imagery but then he's then showing a bit of like the i guess it is an anger isn't it like showing that he's got a bit of a temper like you know if you're like the flipping tables and that kind of thing like that really like um physical teaching isn't it of like doing that and like cursing a fig tree and uh the, as we got sort of journey through the verses post that there's a the jesus sort of continues to do some teaching doesn't he in, in those different ways so there's like the parables um yeah there's a couple of parables quite a bit of teaching yeah so i think it's just it just shows that you know even in those final days jesus knew the importance of continuing to do what he was meant to do which was you know teach us the right way teach us the the, the things that he came to do you know jesus continued to just keep doing and doing even though in the back of his mind he knew that the the unforgivable thing is going to happen <laughs> and they're going to you know all these people around him are either going to um disown him um deny they even knew him obviously the people that sentenced him to death like yeah, yeah he continued to be grace he continued to to teach and to be um who jesus was yeah it's a humble reminder to us that teaching should never stop and learning should never stop mm. um all throughout holy week you know it's not it's not like jesus just sits in a dark room and meditates and reflects you know he right, there's, a, there's righteous anger you know he is he's protesting he's calling out the things that are wrong of this world and so um I don't think that's really a part of Holy Week that we ever consider. So it might be that you feel you want to look for some, there might be something you're passionate about, whether it's refugee um, rights, whether it's um, the current state of the government, whether it's um, the climate. Um, There are things that you can look to do, whether it's protesting or writing to your local council or bigger or wider. But if there's something that you have this like righteous anger about, is there something that you see as false or is there something that you want to um, speak into and challenge and say that that's not right of this world? We shouldn't Mm. be doing that. Um, Jesus calls for that this week. Jesus challenges us to do that. Um, So that's a humble reminder. And then the teaching just doesn't stop. Um, He continues to offer lots of variety of teaching um, against the law. He gives the commandments um he talks about prophecy talks about the destruction of the temple and end times um all of this is really key and crucial and we um if we had time we would go into so much of that but um we just urge you all to perhaps read those so um if you are unsure where to start um really go from mark 11 which is the palm sunday and then all the way through 12 13 um is and 14 um is where we kind of get to um that teaching um and then chapter 14 starts with um obviously we're at passover and jesus is now going to be anointed um Mm. and uh and jesus is coming so much closer to the end of his time and we're kind of um getting to those real key moments Mm. um so one of the the parts that comes up 
um, after a lot of this teaching, which I think we've all heard of, we've all seen imagery of it, um, is The Last Supper. Um, I think for me, uh, the whole imagery around the fact that they, they Jesus' disciples show up with Jesus for this Last Supper, this... Um, this Passover meal that they're also used to doing and it wouldn't have felt any different yet when when they're sitting around this table Jesus is doing something so out there like that must have been so weird like imagine sitting opposite like you know you're one of the disciples and you're sitting opposite like your mate Peter and you're just sort of look, you know Jesus is saying about you know take this bread this is my body and it, mm. this wine is my blood, and you'd be like looking at your mate, going like almost like mouthing, like what's he saying? Like what's he going on about? Like wouldn't you? And I think I just would love to have understood where where the disciples were feeling, like where where their minds were going when he was saying this, because as so you know, as we we know what happens, we know what Jesus is about to go through, but they didn't. Yeah. Like even though Jesus was kind of hinting. They weren't, you know, they weren't in the know. They, it's almost like when you're watching a film for the first time, isn't it? Like you don't know the the cliffhanger, <laughs> you don't know the end of that that storyline. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a really, it's a powerful uh, part of the story, isn't it? Because again, he continues to teach. You know, he's he, he's continuing to show the the twelve, isn't he, and the people around him, um, how important the Son of God is. Yeah, to faith, and they and the you know the crucial parts of that they're all there, um, mm. including Judas. Even though, you know, Jesus knows what Judas is about to do, yeah. um, and but you know, before just before we have the the Last Supper, it, it um they're celebrating Passover, and Jesus asks for a picture from a man, and he asks for a guest room, and so they're in this kind of secret, almost secret room, um. But he needs all of them there. He needs all of them to hear this teaching. He needs all of them to know these things mm. um, in spite of what they're about to do. Um, which I think is actually really powerful. Mm. Um, the sign of almost that forgiveness, isn't it? And yeah, there's already those pre-talking... There's already that pre-understanding um, of that. And even though Jesus is saying all these things, the disciples have no idea what it actually means, mm. even though they've been around Jesus. And sometimes as readers, you know, I've had a tendency to think, how could they have not seen it? You know, but Jesus talked in parables a lot of the time and he spoke obviously very kingdomly and heavenly things and very things of spiritual meaning that I wonder if they just thought this was just a, like a metaphor for yeah. things or if they didn't really truly grasp what was to happen and that's no that's no surprise that's no judgment no. but um it always fascinates me you know they're just their complete ignorance to the devastation that's about to to hit them and they they were fearful for jesus's life throughout you know jesus wasn't you know he was a target from the sanhedrin from the mm. um from rome you know he he did have a price on his back but um and the disciples would have been aware of that. They would have been fearful of that. But I really don't think they truly grasped um, what it all means um, to to be sitting and hearing these things. And as we know what's to come, so it kind of, it's one of those spoiler alerts. I just realised something as well. I've just skipped a really important part, haven't I? Yeah, I, I did think that. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, so there's obviously the, an important part where, where Jesus is also anointed with oil. Mm-hmm. Um before the last supper so just uh, going back a little bit um which again is just a really powerful again like a lot of these these stories a really powerful aspect um of the of holy week isn't it yeah it's important it's an important part of the journey as well um and um while the woman isn't mentioned in the gospel of mark the gospel of john um says that uh it was mary of bethany the sister of lazarus the master obviously Lazarus who was brought raised from the dead um to be this woman mm. um and we have the alabaster jar of oil which is very expensive yeah um and there is confusion as to why she breaks it over his feet and the disciples are a bit confused by that but i think it's just a beautiful example of um actions sometimes mm. speaking louder than words sometimes i think particularly with in this week i find it often hard to um 
people may be surprised by this, but articulate. I talk a lot, but whether it's actually worth anything is questionable. Um, then you put yourself down. I find it hard to kind of articulate my feet, like my exact feelings towards this, because it is so the magnitude of mm. this act. The it's almost like a sacrifice before a sacrifice, isn't it? Like if it's a, so, you know, such an expensive oil mm. um, to just to break that that jar and to to put that oil like you you must believe in what you're you're not what you're not wasting it but yeah they would have looked at it like why are you wasting it and that like, like that mm. um and i think that for me that's the, the sacrifice before jesus's sacrifice you know sacrifice isn't it um yeah and the other gospels talk about how judas in particular was upset as the as the yeah, purse just, keeper just reading that um bit. about this act but and they were, and they criticised her sharply, um, which is interesting. Um, but Mark is very clear that each one of them considered it to be a waste. Um, and many of the, I think most of the disciples would think that what she did was wrong. Mm. Um, a little, yeah, just that's like all these little things that are added into this story are are not wasted. I think it's important that we we really take time to reflect on each one um yeah. and that it's you know this this jar could have been worth more than a whole year's wages for somebody um and that it's she gives this as her offering it's probably more than above than she can and give and mm. she gives this as a as an offering to jesus um she just had this kind of simple love and complete devotion for jesus she didn't even question the cost that it would have on her life um, and that's what we're all called into. Um, so then, obviously, comes the the point where, um, yeah, Judas the uh, or Judah of Iscariot, Judah Iscariot, um, then does what Jesus kind of already knew he would do, um, which was portray him. And uh, so, at the end of that particular part, where you you know, so you've got this beautiful, this beautiful moment where this this woman. Um, anoints Jesus and then you've got you've got Judas at the end of it like uh, yeah I'm going to go and get some you know get some money for 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 him and there, there is this yeah so so verse 10 and 11 isn't it of verse um, of chapter 14 where he uh, he goes to the high priests um, so I'm reading the, the message version here and it says yeah so he went to the cable of high priests determined to betray Jesus they couldn't believe their ears and promised to pay him well he started looking for just the right moment to hand him over um and we know from the gun the gethsemane thing about the kiss on the cheek isn't it to show who's who um but i just think yeah you go from one extreme to the other don't you? you've got this woman anointing jesus and then you've got one of his well i'd say closest followers one of the 12 who turns around and does the complete opposite but i think it's the perfect example of what needs you know you have mm. a sacrifice and then even after that there's still going to be the mistakes of human beings you know yeah, yeah. we're still going to fall however what's to come is resurrection that's all there's nothing nothing is wasted in this in the way that this is put together in the way that this is told to us um and we needed to know that even when this sacrifice is given by other people um, there are still going to be people that betray. There are still going to be people that fall to the sins of this earth. Mm. Um, and whatever Judas's motives may have been, um, whether it was purely about the money, whether it was about wanting to make Jesus actually into the more of the messianic rebel, you know, like who the Jews really wanted him to be, um, we will never know. Um, until we can ask that question yeah. um, and I think it's important for us to 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 not to not hold Judas to too much of a evil standard I totally agree um, I have come to really dislike the term like you're such a Judas as a betrayer um, I think you know we have to really remember in these moments um, when Jesus, you know, taught about, he used cast the first stone. Mm. Um, 
no sin is above you know is greater than the other and actually how we you know it feels so much more personal because we know what jesus is going to the suffering jesus go through we can't think and it's imaginable to us that we wouldn't betray jesus but none of us can say that we would we don't know what we would do in that moment what would we do yeah yeah so it's i'm really humbly reminded to just not actually um i condemn the actions of judas absolutely um but my place on this earth is not to judge the actions of a human being that's for god um and god alone and Mm. i'll leave that to god thankfully um Mm. i feel sadness obviously towards this as i know what's about to happen um i know what's about to lead into um this um and this last supper and although judas has already begun that act of beginning to betray jesus the last supper brings us you know to jesus's big big teaching moment and we have many many images as john said earlier depicting the last supper he we we see this big picture of jesus at the center in most of the images um and to sit there and it's you know they're having passover which is obviously goes right back to the old testament so all of these things are crucially tied together so obviously you go from this aspect where you know judas betrays jesus go into the the high priest and then we go when we get back to coming back to the last supper um i think it's just really interesting how jesus does then calls it out doesn't he? he kind of um he sort of says doesn't he he goes um let me just find it he says one of you who eats with me will betray me yeah well, i've got the message too doesn't it? it's not the same wording but yeah he says one of you 17 oh yeah so in the message it says uh so after sunset he came with the 12 as they were at the supper table eating jesus said i have something hard but important to say to you one of you is going to hand me over to the conspiracy inspirited i can't read that word one who at this moment is eating with me and like imagine sitting at that table like sitting there and that happens again so you've got, already got uh, jesus is like this is my the bread is my body the wine is my, and then you've got one of you here will betray me you you can imagine the looking round. like what would judas, uh, judas be doing would he be obviously trying to act like it wasn't him like looking around as well well he was also sitting in the place of honor it on the table like Gosh. there's there's so much to it you know mm. jesus said a lot of shocking things in teaching and to the disciples that wasn't unusual drop, but this would have been this would have been something that they would have just been horrified by you know they were all vying to be his favorite mm. probably and for, to be told what it was one of them they probably would have just thought it was absolutely ridiculous but as i said jesus didn't single out judas um and it's really important because he t- they talk about um J- jesus says one who dips bread into the bowl with me the son of man has written and will betray the son of man um and that's actually really crucial because i remember hearing once something about how in middle eastern culture um betraying a friend after eating a meal with them is regarded as like the worst type of treachery yeah, yeah. um which i don't really know where that originates from but if you eat with somebody and then you betray them, that's considered to be the worst. I think it's that a meal is very vulnerable. A meal sitting yeah, in someone's it's home. It's intimate, isn't it? It's a massive offering to cook, to to sit with somebody at mm. a meal. You don't have many people around to dinner that you aren't considered like your close circle. So um, for, and I think this probably leans as to why the tone of the four gospels talk about Judas in a, in a very negative light. Obviously they dislike Judas because he betrayed jesus but he also betrayed them you Mm. know they ate he dipped they judas sat at the place of um honor um he was the he would he would have been given a special portion so they would have all dipped um with him in that you know their bread with him so Mm. it all of these small little tiny details are so crucial there would be so much to it it's just um yeah every time we come back to these these scriptures each year around easter it amazes me how every time you see something different or you there's always so much to read like it's not just the oh you know judas betrays jesus goes to prison jesus goes to cross there's all this stuff in the middle and all the stuff that all means something and there's so Mm. much deep meaning to every aspect of it um like you're saying that you know if you 
And I think that's the other thing as well. We read these scriptures a lot of the time and we don't put them into the culture when they were written. No. So we just read the, you know, like just reading that about like the Last Supper. You're just reading it as, oh, it's the Passover. But this was a culturally significant event. So important mm. as a, a of a meal. It, you know, the like you're saying about like the Middle Eastern um, traditions. traditions of like, you know, eating from the same bowl and that kind of stuff. So... It just, I think it just shows, doesn't it, the the intimacy of those those twelve mm. and what they meant to Jesus and what Jesus meant to them in a, in a friendship and community point of view, um, as well as anything in that in that cultural sense. Yeah, and in that last moment, Judas is given that opportunity to change from, you know, to change route. He's given the option to mm. not do it, and unfortunately, he chooses that he chooses the wrong path and we will all face that we all have those moments we you know there'll all be times when we have the choice to do something that follows the wrong path and um it will be in the day of judgment Mm. it will be you know when we when we meet god when we are called to that that we will have to account for the decisions that we made where we whether we turned the right or the you know the wrong path well i don't think we can kind of move on just yet until we talk about you know the key part of this which is obviously when jesus says take and eat this bread um Mm. it's my body and the wine and this is my blood of the new covenant jesus didn't give like the normal explanation to the meaning of these foods he kind of reinterpreted them for himself um and it's it's the kind of the picture of that new covenant you know the passover meal was there to represent all the suffering of israel um, and we're now it's now going to be about you know this the bread and the wine and this mm. you know the suffering is now going to be about jesus's suffering um and it's it's the breaking of that the new you know what jesus is about to do is about to redeem that um, and is about to take on all that suffering and all that sin for um mm. that was and is to come um now we belong to the salvation army um and um obviously in other um christian denominations they hold um sacraments and particularly communion which um signify a lot of um the imagery and symbols that are connected to the last supper Mm. and that's not something in the salvation army we not we partake in um and i don't want to get into a discussion on the sacraments (laughs) um but we you know this is a crucial part to to that and there isn't no it's not that we don't take in them because we don't think that they're not important um but we believe that you know our whole lives should be a sacrament and um there are lots of different beliefs about the body and sorry the bread and the wine and the body and the blood um but what we i think ultimately need to understand and kind of get from this is that they're not just the cup and the the bread are not mere symbols but they're just images and powerful pictures to partake or enter in Mm. um into thoughts reflections about jesus's body being broken um the blood that was given for us and Mm. the kind of magnitude of um all of that we i don't think we we should ever really get too caught up in like the symbols and the imagery and the type of bread or like all Mm. those things um but i think what we need to take focus on is when jesus says take it it's not forced upon us it's offered to us um and and he says take he says take and eat so it's it's an offering to us but it's an offering of something that is so vital Mm. we can't live without eating we won't survive without eating Mm. so jesus is saying i'm offering you this vital thing to live Mm. i'm offering you the bread of life yeah and that's the most important part of this message you know the the actual bread in the cup is is just the picture that it that carries it's just Mm. the jar if you will that carries that the the crucial thing here that we really need to focus on is um what jesus is offering Mm. jesus is giving us the opportunity to take something that is crucial that yeah. that we need to 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 survive um without jesus we do perish without jesus we are nothing that's what i believe that's what you believe we believe mm. that um and people may say well i live perfectly fine without jesus um and i would 
and I would disagree. I would say, with, you know, with, without Jesus, I am nothing. And when I go through life, when I go through anything, um, without the power of Jesus, without the Holy Spirit, I don't know where I would be. And I think until you enter into that, you can't really explain it to, to mm. other people, can you? No. It's that almost like your eyes being opened or the um, your tunnel vision being opened, isn't it? Mm. Um, yeah, you just sort of realise that actually the life I was living before was quite shallow compared um now you you have the understanding of what god wants of you what jesus wants of you Mm. Um, but an imagery that just comes before we move on to the uh, you know the final part of this this episode um something that's just come to me as well is that tearing of the bread almost symbolizes the tear the tearing of the curtain in the yeah i think there's probably many symbols yeah so many symbols it just came to my head like i've never thought about the actual tearing i've only ever thought of it being broken because that's Mm. what the wording isn't it the the bread is broken but actually it's a tear you tear bread don't you and there's you know in if you when you read on after the you know after this and you're reading the the stories of um good friday you hear about the the curtain in the temple being torn in two straight down the middle um, and it would have been similar to that bread, and I think that's a you know like like Beth said, there's there's so many symbols that <laughs> that come from all of this, but uh, it's just something that just came to my mind. Now, yeah, it's just really powerful imagery um, that we get from these scriptures. Mm. I've just noticed something that I've never noticed before. Go on, verse twenty six, chapter fourteen, verse twenty six. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of o- Mount of Olives. I don't think hymn. I don't think I've ever. I may have read it, but I don't think I've ever truly noticed that. He um, sang him and then went directly to Mount of Olives. Yeah, we don't think about Jesus singing, do we? No. Um, but how beautiful that in that after after talking about um what we what he's what his sorry everybody after sharing his final most powerful you know um poignant point poignant point. A, a tongue twister <laughs> of teaching yeah. about what he's offering us eternal life the most vital food um what he's saying about he is the new covenant what he's declaring himself as the messiah mm. he then raises his voice in adoration to god he then sings praise mm. you know after he comes back to god it's never about although he, he can make it, it's all about him he could stand and say i am the greatest one i'm going to do all these things he and he when they had sung a yeah. hymn, they went out to the Mount of it Olives. Closed, yeah. He, their benediction was. Uh, yeah, um, and was um, something in my um, notes in my Bible. So I have the Jesus Bible. Um, says um, that we can endlessly wonder what his voice sounded like, but we know for certain that he sang with more than he more than his voice. He lifted his whole heart up in praise. This reminds us that God wants us to be singing in praise. Mm. Um, so god wants to be praised for singing sorry Mm. um and for christians as we enter into you know the ceremonial stuff of i think at easter so whether that be a maundy thursday reflection whether that be um mass or mass good friday march of witness and easter um service uh any services on easter sunday or even those on maundy thursday Um, sorry Monday Thursday I've gone back in time or even those on um, the Saturday in between yeah. um, all of this we, you know we can give up in praise um, to mm. God I've just never noticed that and it just stood out to me it's funny isn't it um, and to think that Jesus was just singing before he you know all of this he still continues to praise God um, it's and singing is such a, a powerful emotive expression I think when I when I've been through things I often hear songs in my head and I may hum them or sing them lightly and Mm. it's a real powerful way um well we don't we don't have that nature anymore I don't think we do like congregational singing in a sense of church yeah but there's not many times that if I'm feeling like you know I, I sometimes just go for a walk and I'll be in just in reflective mode but you wouldn't you wouldn't sing as people think you're crazy but Um, I mean he because he's saying I wonder what he sang so at the end of Passover meals they often sang um, the psalms known as Hallel I hope I'm saying that right which were psalms 116 to 116 to 118 so he it could have been most likely Mm. would have been that because remember this is a Passover meal 
Um, so I've just had a quick look because I was curious about Psalm 118. Yep. Um, because it, um, so what he would have been singing. Mm. And um, just as about Jesus is about to step up and go into the Garden of Gethsemane, he probably sang Psalm 118. Um, and that is, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. Let Israel say his love endures forever, which repeats. It's quite a long <clears throat> Psalm, Psalm 118, but okay. there's a song. Um, I won't sing it. No, I neither will I. Um, is it called His Love Endures Forever? Is that the title of the song? Yeah, I think so. Um but there is a song that we sing in church with those words. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. I don't even sing know praise. who it's from. Um, Let's search it, shall we? And, His um, love endures forever. I'll type in song. Um, but Chris Tomlin. Yeah, good old Chris Tomlin. Um, but I love that. Um, that His love endures forever. That's the lips. That's the words that were echoing on Jesus's mm. lips as he um does that um and that's why it's so crucial i think for us to under have you know context and understand some of these things um and to look into what to what this would have been you know knowing that it's passover okay they sung would have sung hymns at passover what would that have been what mm. were those words what was jesus saying to all these things that's why you know it's so crucial that we are able to look back and cross-reference and make all these connections to give us this deeper understanding. And um, we always say this every time we look at passage, but I, I didn't say that before, but I love discovering new things all the time. It just amazes me how, you know, we read it and we can, so we much, can blindly skip over something. But this year, that's what yeah, that's we're meant what... to read. So, you're all, you know, Jesus has already uh, kind of predicted the, about Judas, but he also predicts about Peter's denial. Um, so if you've read the... The kind of scriptures after Jesus' uh, crucifixion, you know that uh, Peter is questioned quite a few times while he's kind of on the run, I guess you could say, um, be like hiding from the those that have condemned Jesus, and he denies to even know Jesus or even um, he even curses. I think that some of the scripture says he he curses G that curses towards it, doesn't he, or something? Mm. I think. Um, don't hold me to that. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's really a, interesting that it's not just Judas. Like we we forget that Peter, even the rock on which I will build my church, as Jesus says to him, mm. is the same. Like um, you know, we we're very like Beth already said. You know, we're very quick to call people a Judas if they betray someone. Or um, yeah, I'm a football fan, and a lot of footballers get called Judas if they leave to go and play for a rival team. But you wouldn't say a Peter, like if, if you're <laughs> a denier. If yeah. you're a denier, so. But yeah, I think that's the. It's a really, you know, it's not like I say. It's not just the Judas aspect. You know, Peter, one of Jesus' closest. Um, you know, Simon Peter. He, he denies. Oh, is it three times? Mm -hmm. That's looking. You know. But he, Jesus knew Peter way better than Peter knew Peter. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And so he knows, because Peter's like, no, not me. I wouldn't do yeah, that. I wouldn't do that. Um, he vehemently denies, vehemently. Like, mm. I can never, vehemently. That is like, he's like, no, he is probably annoyed. Um, he is annoyed. Um, yeah, yeah. He's like, if I have to die with you, I'll not deny with you. Like, he's offering that. <laughs> Jesus is like, oh, Peter. Yeah, because like, in the message it says, even if everyone else is ashamed of you when things fall to pieces, I won't be. So, no. it's just it's just <laughs> ironic isn't it really who's um, gonna tell him uh yeah so it's like it's a strong compound adverb it's like it's right. it's like really it's profound though isn't it it's like oh i won't yeah. i'm not gonna do that um but as i said like touch a nerve jesus knows peter well and he knows mm. what he's gonna he, he's about to do but he's not he's not attacking peter's character Either. He's just stating facts. He's just stating facts. You know, he's not saying that you, no, oh, this is what you're like. This is who you will be like. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He's just like, you will do that. But like we said before, when he gave Judas the opportunity to to not choose the the path of evil, if you will, mm. um, he of Jesus also offers, it's the same thing as what he was doing earlier with the, mm. you know, with the bread. He's offering offers an opportunity the bread he's offering us the opportunity for eternal life it's never forced it's never 
you know, blatantly told is offered to us. We have the choice. He offers to, yeah. you know, he gives Peter this uh, offering of your, his own weakness. He says, I know that this is what you're going to do. This is your weakness. Consider this. And mm. Peter forgets it. Yeah. Um, so it's, um, yeah. I think, um, you know, it speaks to the fact that the disciples kind of didn't, they overestimated their powers and their their faith really yeah. didn't it um yeah, yeah. and we're warned against that we're warned you know throughout scripture even later on i think we're warned to, to not overestimate our powers and consider our weaknesses mm. um and so we've got peter's jesus predicting the denial and we're going to now lead to the garden of gethsemane um i think i spoke in the first season about how the garden of gethsemane is one is probably my f- favorite is i don't like to say it's my favorite scene but it's at, it's a scene that it's a passage of scripture that i um i really love reading i love reflecting on it mm. um f- for the last probably 10 years i've had this real um connection to it after studying it at university i um I just had this revelation insight into this this moment in this garden that I think forever changed it it sounds really dramatic but it's very true it changed the my faith completely it kind of it was like a pivotal moment in me understanding the true weight and the cost of things um Mm. and um yeah when I see it depicted in any media whether I don't whether even if that media is actually particularly cheesy or bad, that moment is often the, the crunch moment. It's where you really, you begin to hold your breath and begin to to feel the weight of everything. Mm. I think like there's so much imagery and would really recommend reading this yourself. Maybe if you, like I said earlier, if you've got a phone or an iPad or whatever, get the app or like the Bible app on your phone because you've got like so many different translations. And I'd recommend just sort of reading the Gethsemane um, section, which is yeah, Mark fourteen thirty-two to fifty-two. No, sorry, forty-two. So thirty-two to forty-two. If you read that in as many different translations as you can, you find, and just try and find one that really resonates with you. Like find one that you understand all the words. And I'm talking to myself because some of the trans, I find like the message really powerful because it's like a language I can understand and the passion translation, but also in RSV. Um, But just, it's just finding, um, finding those words and just reading them a couple of times, isn't it? And just seeing what kind of sticks and what, what stands out to you when reading it. But there's, there's one part for me is again, it comes back to Peter. I love him. I love Peter because he, He's just normal. He's just a normal bloke, isn't he? Like, he's trying to protect his mate. So he cuts off an ear. Like, he cuts off an ear of one of the people trying to grab Jesus. Like, he's just trying to protect and um, and Jesus can, you know, can de- like, says, to, says to Peter, like, don't do that. Like, Yeah, Mark um, doesn't say it was Peter. It was like the one of those standing near drew a sword and struck the servant cutting off his ear. Mm. But I think the others say it was... So, yeah, so imagery is, you know... Really big part of this, I think, because like speaking to people that have been to Israel and and seen these these places where these events happened, they've said, haven't they, about like the how powerful it is to almost be exactly where these these things happened, um, and that's where my brain goes to automatically is um, it's just the image of it being like this, like a dark evening, early morning. Mm. Um, you know, it'd be quite a crisp air in the, you know, you've got cold air, um, you know, weary, like, do you know what I mean? Because they've been travelling to there. And I just think like that imagery of all of that. And also Jesus, like, you know, you, we read about how he, um, he says to, he just wants to pray and pray on his own. You know, he tells his disciples to go and um, go over there while I pray. Mm. And that kind of, how lonely would he have felt? in that in that moment and that kind of imagery as well i just find really quite powerful with this story and i I agree with you i think the more i read this this part about gethsemane the more i it becomes not a favorite easter yeah it's weird to say it's a favorite isn't it? but it's a 
It's a, a crucial, part, a yeah. crucial part of the lament for me. Mm. Well, do you know what Gethsemane means? No. It means olive press. So obviously this is where all the oh, olive no, trees I did know were. That. Yeah, yeah. And so um, it's where they would have been pressed, mm. funny enough. Um, but I think, you know, again, let nothing is, let mm. no stone untouched, you know, Jesus is about to be crushed. Nothing is a coincidence, is it? No, but... there is no, there is no such thing in these, you know, there's, as you said, no such thing as a coincidence. There is nothing that it isn't um, there to to offer meaning and to, ref- and to reflect upon. And, mm. you know, the crushing is obviously about to happen literally with his body, physically. He's mm. about to be crushed emotionally. But also the betrayal that's about to happen, the crushing that's, you know, it yeah. would have... We can't deny that it wouldn't have hurt Jesus to have Judas betray him. He was one of his chosen disciples it was one of his close friends they journeyed with each other for many for some years and it you know it's um Mm. it's important um Mm. it's yeah all these there are so many symbols that are important um and one of my crucial things in here is that i think about how in that moment he reaches out to god um it says, Abba Father, if everything is possible, it's possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet, not my, what I will, but what you will. Um, mm. And Abba is the Aramaic word for dad. Um, and I think it's important that, because he says Abba and then Father, um when Jesus uttered his father's name in both ways, so as dad and father, it revealed a love both in his heart language and in the common language of the day. It represents Jesus talking to God in the most personal of terms. And Jesus talked to his father as a loving son would talk to his dad. Um, so, you know, because we often, when we say Abba Father, it's like saying Father, Father, isn't it? It's like Dad, yeah. Dad, or Dad, Father. But it's... I always find when you say father, that's so more formal. Like mm, it's almost like I would never yeah. say, "Oh, father." I it's would more say, "Dad." Intimate, isn't it? Like mm. f- when you say father, it feels cold, doesn't it? It's yeah. more of like mother and father is the it's like, the technical term. It's if you're filling out a form, like, yeah. Who's yeah. your mother? Who's your father? Whereas you would refer to them as your mama or dad most of the time. Um, mm. So we've really got this. Like you've got the personal and then the formal. You are personally my dad. You know, you are, mm. you are, whom I love, whom yeah. created me. But you are f- also formally my father. You are the father of all and the father of me. So mm. there's the, the the duality in both of that. Um, pleading mm. with Jesus to, ple- Jesus pleading, sorry, to just have every this this weight taken from him. Mm. And we can't, Im- we honestly can't even imagine it. I, I, I yeah, I just. Um, you know, I've we've all felt pressure in our lives of some things. You know, mm. I think of minor pressures like exams or you know, the nervousness of re- some results or, or anything. Yeah. You know, and we and how we that stress that can make us feel. You know, waiting for a test result or something, or whatever it mm. is, we we've all felt a weight that can consume us. But nothing can compare to the weight of 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 this of car- of the pain that's gonna occur and jesus would have known this he would have he knew what crucifixions were Mm. um and knew how painful not literally knew but he obviously would recognize that that would be painful Mm. so the weight that's carried here is just something that we can't even grasp and for me i find and i don't know whether people would agree or disagree with me but i think we get jesus's most human moment here yes I, I think there's a moment on the cross when there's a more human moment but this yeah massively because mm. I think the, the the part on the cross when he shouts my god my god why have you forsaken me I think is the moment when it, well the only moment I that I see that he doesn't call him father he says my god my god yeah so to me that's a but for a me that's moment. him just taking that's because that's who God like because uh, that's just him taking on everything for us that's just him mm. carrying the weight of that and I, no I agree with you that that is a very human moment too 
But I see but this I don't, as... I agree. I like, do think this here is... Here is he feels the most separated. He feels the he most... He feels all the, the emotions and the anxiety and the dread like that we all feel, doesn't he? Like he says that in the message, it says he plunged into a sinkhole of dreadful agony. Yeah. I think you're right. We've all, We've all had those those moments, yeah. And, to, and, you know, that's why I find, you know, for Jesus is so relatable to so many. That's why, you know, I have a relationship with Jesus because he understands the pains that I feel and the situations may be different, but the feelings mm. are the same. I've, I remember somebody saying to me who wasn't a Christian saying how, you know, how can you depict God as this loving father when, when he's literally, his son begs him to take away this incredible, this incredibly painful act that's about to happen to him. And he doesn't, like that's not a loving God. And I think it's just the mis that's just a misrepresentation mm. of that understanding and it's yes, God doesn't take it. Aw- God doesn't take away um, the thing that's going to overfill the cup. But what He does is He gives us the strength to do to face that situation. Mm. And we, if when we perhaps have something that we come to God and say, you know, take this weight off me, take this pain away from me, take this sickness, take this mental um, illness or mental health issue or um, take this debt take this addiction take this mm. um whatever this, it is yeah. away from me um sometimes sometimes those things are taken away yeah. that that does happen but in my experience often it's not that those things have been taken away but that fact that god has given me the strength to get through them mm. um and it goes back to something i was just sharing yesterday at, at church and how um faith is not the promise no the absence of trials but a way through them and our faith is we're not promised you know easy time like we're not promised a a life of easiness what um what we are promised is the presence of god through those situations We're, we're given strength and we're given the presence of god um it's not the absence of pain it's not the absence of things when you know it, that may happen and mm. um, but we are promised is the strength to be able to get through it and god's presence through that um god was present with jesus through all of these moments mm. and right up until um oh no god never left god mm. never doesn't leave jesus no. um and um god gave jesus the strength to be able to do this and that's just that's something that we can't ever fully grasp because the weight of that is just so incredible but i'm thankful that like jesus i'm given the strength to go through things that i find hard Mm. not they're not on the same level or magnitude of what jesus had to go through but it's an important reminder i think this god this gethsemane moment for me this year is a reminder that um in moments of pain and difficulty or trial whatever it may be that i'm not promised um the absence of pain or problems what i'm promised is the strength to be able to to get through it and mm. the promised presence of of god's peace in my life or um and not a peace that you know it's necessarily like calmness it's a pe- the peace of god it's uh, the lit- literal peace as john says i say peace all the time it's it's that presence of god mm. and i think um as we kind of conclude this episode i think Maybe you're in a moment of Gethsemane yourself. Maybe you're you're journeying through something at the moment that you, where you feel like you're just in this garden, this dark garden, before so much is going to happen. Or mm. um, maybe you're feeling like uh, you're at a point where you're, you know, you're at your last, and you you're kind of doing what Jesus is doing, where he's just you're just sort of praying prayers, and you feel like they're empty, or you feel like the response is empty. Um, we just hope this has been a bit of encouragement to you um, that. You know, whatever you're going through, that you are loved, and God is, and like Beth said, God is still with with Jesus in that moment, and God hasn't left you. Uh, God is with you in that moment also. Um, you know, Jesus came to a point of decision in Gethsemane. It wasn't that he had not decided nor consented before, but now he came up upon a unique point of decision. Um, he drank the cup um, at Calvary, but he decided once and for all um, to drink it at Gethsemane. The struggle of the cross was won at the Garden of Gethsemane, um, and I think that that's a you know a really important thing to remember that this was almost like the turning point um, for us. 
as as believers and people that yeah. uh, love Jesus, this was the point where uh, we need to thank Jesus for that because he took on the weight of our failures, our our sin, our, our the stuff that we do day in day out that isn't right. You know, our judgment, our, you know, all that kind of stuff, and mm. um, yeah, we just thank Jesus that he went to the cross for us and um but he but then he rose again on on sunday spoiler alert if you don't know the story but he rises from the dead he conquers that final final darkness um that you know everybody's probably a little bit scared of but he conquers that death and raise you know rises from the death uh from the dead into light and into life again um and all we can say is hallelujah to that um yeah and because of that, we have eternal life. And um hope you've enjoyed this episode. Um I feel like it's been a really good light, light conversation, really. Just I think you can say it's been light. <laughs> it's not been light. Um, journey, like conversation through, a bit of a whistle-stop tour, really, through the Holy Week journey. Um, but we hope you've enjoyed it. I um, hope you've, um, you can take this episode and maybe listen to it again. Maybe, like we said before, take some of the, the scripture and just keep reading it over and over again as you go through the final parts of this week um but uh we hope to have at the table back properly in the next few lots so of next month or so um so keep an eye out for those that have joined us on youtube uh this time we hope that you've enjoyed it and uh i hope you'll be able to find us we're on all all podcast platforms to so search on spotify apple podcast google podcast audible wherever you can find a podcast we should be there any questions or if you just want to get in touch with us if there's anything that we've said that you don't agree with or that you agree with and you just want to have a conversation with us um get in touch with us we'd love to have a conversation with you um but just know that you're loved and mm -hmm. uh have a lovely easter so it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Beth. bye everyone bye everyone Best easter. see you later bye, bye.